Cinema Spectator, a movie podcast, is produced because of listeners like you. If you want to support our show, you can share it, give us a rating on iTunes, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ecfsproductions, where you can throw a couple dollars our way and get access to our exclusive content. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. movies in the cinematic canon today's film is enter the dragon directed by robert klaus starring bruce lee and john saxon my name is cameron tuttle i'm joined with isaac ransom isaac how are you doing hey how's it going we're back reviewing another action movie in another decade Mm. i'm doing good cameron how are you i am also doing pretty good um i did want to say i know i've been slacking on watching anything else but um i have been Trying to finish Better Call Saul. It's taken months, but I'm trying to finish Better Call Saul right now, and um, I'm th- almost. Uh, we're almost there. We've got one episode left. All right. <sighs> it's real good. It's real good. I don't know. I heard you the, were never I heard a breaking. The ending bag. was very good. I, a lot of people have recommended the show to me, um, yeah. and I have not given it a shot yet. You you were never a Breaking Bad guy, right? No, I I I think I watched the first episode and. Juliana was like, I don't like this. And I was like, okay. So You probably watched the first two episodes if that was her reaction. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, she she was not a fan of it. So we we kind of moved on from it. And I know, I guess I'm I'm missing out or whatever. But I'll no, have my I, moment. I, I wanna I wanna talk about media that you miss and return to uh, mm. in in a second. But um yeah, no, I've I've heard that Better Call Saul is actually it kind of wraps up in a in a way that I know some people love the show. Like I don't know if it's on par for them, but I know the last the ending of it is supposed to be just this like a real fanfare kind of thing. Yeah, no, I um, uh, I've really loved it over the past. It's it's so funny. The first season I was mixed on when it first came out, and then I went back um, maybe like after the third season or fourth season or something. I went back and I watched it. And it just heats up. You know, the first season is a little slower. It's kind of hard to get the premise of the show right off the bat. And then, you know, sort of as you grow and as you kind of, um, you know, sit with the character for a while, it feels just so um, good. This world, like, that they built is just so interesting and cool. Um, mm. And there's something about it. It's it's very simple. You know, the premise is very simple. But, um, but I think the way that... Um, you know, the way that the characters are written, the way that everything feels like so purposeful. Um, there's nothing like it on TV. It's, it's really, yeah. It's really now, cool. how do you feel about it compared to, um, like breaking bad? I know it's a different kind of show, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, breaking bad to me is like all time, uh, favorite show probably. Uh, and I think the thing that Breaking Bad has over Better Call Saul is, like I said, the first season of Better Call Saul is kind of slow. Um, but every season of Breaking Bad is like, it just, it just gets better and better. Like it starts off great and then it just grows to being like the best thing ever. So Mm. it's, it is hard to compare in that way. Um, 
but I will say, I mean, I've been having so much fun and I like the characters of like the main characters of Kim and Saul. I like spending time with them a lot more than I like right. spending time with Walt, who's kind of and Jesse and, you know, all those characters who are kind of, you know, bad people. basically. Yeah. And yeah. not to say that Saul's a, a good guy, but it's easier to root for him, you know, mm-hmm. in a way because he's charming and he has like. He's he's got like a good natured personality, um, right? Even if he's doing you know less than uh, scrupulous scrupulous things. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know very much about it. I tried watching the first episode again. Sort of the same thing where I was just like, I don't know. I I just was like, I'm not gonna dig into it. Yeah. Um, I have been watching binge watching The Office. Mm. Uh, Juliana and I. Re, like we bought a month of Peacock and there's actually some pretty good stuff on there. I love the, I love the method of taking advantage of a deal of a streaming service and then canceling it instantly, you know, sure, just canceling yeah. at the same time and just trying to, you know, soak up as much of a month as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sort of having your main staple, like Netflix is a stay for us. Um, just because Juliana really likes stuff on Netflix for some reason. It's usually got a pretty wide selection of things on there anyways. Um, but other than that, it seems like a month here, a month there of whatever. Um, so I actually up two subscription services, but the, the first one I was talking about, Peacock, we started watching The Office again. Um, I just missed it. I was like, I, I got to watch this show again. I I was binging it a long time when it was on Netflix, and it's so good. It's so much fun. I catch myself like, like, like mouth open, smiling while watching it, Uh, (laughs) which that, that kind of like entertainment is like, dang, like this is like my favorite kind of thing, you know, like I'll, I'll, if I watch a movie like um, Mad Max Fury Road, I find myself like watching it like that, where I'm just like leaning into the TV and the office does that for me. It's such, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just so much fun. Like it feels like you're hanging out with old friends again. You could watch one, you could watch eight. And, um, that's like, I think that's why it's, it's just such a, a classic at this point. Well, I'll Um, say Isaac, I, you know, I don't know if this is up your alley, but right now, uh, the office, the complete series on Blu-ray is on sale. Okay. Hmm. It is $80, but if you think about it, that's going to be with you forever, you know? So that's true. It, you know, it's not, it's, I'm just, it's just something to think about. Yeah. I will say I am, I, for TV, like, I don't think I'd ever buy a TV show unless it could be on like one disc. Cause I like the idea of it just keeps <laughs> going. You know? I get, I get that. Yeah, Until get you that stop it. Like, I don't like the idea of like putting in multiple discs, right? Although I used to do it with with some cartoons, like I had, um, what was it like the like I used to love borrowing like the Avatar seasons, the animated Avatar series from my cousin, and that's split into three books, and it works really well. Where it's like you watch like, you know, book one or book two, and you know that's that's a lot of time on one disc, right? Yeah. Um, whereas like other shows, I don't know, is it per season on one disc or is it? Oh, I um, don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it's less. I'm sure there's, it's split up like maybe two discs per season or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, because a show like The Office is like, there's like what, 20 uh, episodes in a season, it feels like. Yeah. So that's like, that's great for like kind of the binging playlist. There's certain shows like that. I mean, I think New Girl is really good as well. 
We watched a lot of that. And that's also on Peacock. So it seems like Peacock has a lot of the Hangout shows on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, really, really recommend The Office. It gets funnier and funnier. I have this great memory of my dad telling me how much he hates The Office because he thinks it's not funny. Uh, and I don't know if it reminds him too much of his work or work in the past. It's like PTSD for him or something. Um, I'm really not sure. Uh, but there was one time that my brother and I were watching it in our house and my mom sat down and she's like, this show's not very funny. It's not very good. And then I think she laughed her head off for like three episodes in a row when we were watching it. <laughs> like she just loved it. She thought it was so funny. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those shows. It's, uh, very absurd. I feel like it hits a good pace. And then the first two seasons can be a little mean, uh, but it's really great how like soft the characters and caring the characters get. Like there's that scene. Um, we just watched an episode with a scene where like Jan is, or not Jan, um, Pam is like crying in the hallway. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And like Dwight, like, like kind of like comforts her for a second. It's like a small character moment like that where you're like, it just adds like kind of this third dimension and then it's kind of upended with a joke where he's like, Oh, you're PMSing really bad, you know, like at the end of that interaction. And it's just, um, it just has, it has, it has way too much fun, uh, with itself on the show. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, really recommend it. If you haven't watched it, um, you know, if the humor is not up your alley, I don't think I, I would say that season two and three, uh, get a lot better. Season one is pretty, pretty just mean. Like they have to like, there's there's a video essay about how they had to rewrite Michael Scott because he's just like a horrible person in the first season. It's more like the British one. The British one is super mean, you know. Um, but and then uh, the other thing that I was talking about, and this is what I'm kind of alluded to with talking about revisiting um, old media. I am playing Resident Evil 4 Remake on PlayStation, Mm. and it is a real treat. Um, Love how much I can see the influence in the game uh, from classic films that uh, have, you know, affected Capcom and the Resident Evil team. This, This game pulls a lot of, like, kind of, like, matrix action meets texas chainsaw massacre or something and there's a bunch of 2005 tropes that uh, i feel like have some western influence there's a a monster in the like a like a sea monster in the lake and that's kind of and, and there's like a big troll and it feels like reminiscent of uh elements of lord of the rings which is kind of at its peak in in the early 2000s right mm-hmm. um and then of course like there's all the creepy cultish village people um, and the chainsaw guy and all that. So I'm just kind of eating it up. It's like a very much an apple pie game. I binged it all Saturday. It was great. Um, I, I was like, I want to sit around and play video games today. So highly recommend it. Uh, if you're interested in something like that, you know, I'm getting ready for spooky season. So I have to play something spooky, but at mm. least I have a shotgun in that game. I'm not running for my life. <laughs> The entire time. So you played um, uh, the other Resident Evil remake games, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I highly recommend two. I think two is a masterpiece um, for anyone. Anyone actually. I think anybody could play that game, and be thrilled and excited and enjoy it. I'll say the pacing towards the end uh, isn't as good, but 
Um, it does a great job with using a setting as a character, which happens in film a lot. And I think it really succeeds in that way. Some of the movies that I think about are like Panic Room, or you could think of like a more broader setting, like Goodfellas immerses you into like sort of a, like a culture, right? You're like part of this, you know, gangster scene, right? So that that game has this great kind of character in you being like locked in a quiet police station that's abandoned and there's like zombies and whatnot. It's really good. Really, really good. So highly recommend Resident Evil 2. Um, yeah, Resident Evil 4, it's just a little bit more campy. Um, and I love it for it. I can I, I think it's doing what it what it's doing great is related to what makes some of those great like campy or horror movies that we watched in the past stick out. Mm-hmm. And it comes off very charming. So so far I love it about four hours in. Uh, and I think it's really good. So mm. um yeah, I know we don't usually talk about video games too much, but I feel like it's one of those cinematic experiences, you know? Mm. Something you could kind of play and experience and you know they have a bunch of assisted modes as well so something about those high quality games it's like maybe a movie lover it could translate for him mm. uh, this is cinema spectator though we do talk about movies primarily besides our intro rants uh you can support us at patreon.com slash ecfs productions if you want to check out the benefits over there really we just appreciate you being here giving us a rating sharing the show all that stuff helps our production we appreciate your time and we hope you enjoy our rundown on action movies this month. I'm telling you, horror's around the corner. I'm getting in the mood. You know? I know. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to have to make a critical decision here because um, this is technically the last uh, Monday of September, or the last Tuesday of September when we'll be releasing it. Um, so uh, should I think we should, after this, go, go straight into horror movie month. Yeah. I'd love to, you know, there's... One, two, three, four, five. There's five Tuesdays in October. So that's yeah. a lot of ground that we can cover there. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, we'll have to cut action movie. Maybe we'll come back to it because um, this was fun. I, I did enjoy um, spending some time with action movies. It's funny. It's one of the, the areas where like um, film snobs and film, you know, professors and whatever else, you know, they're like, nah, I don't want to talk about action movies you know because it's it's a very like base um uh genre you know it's it's something that has very little um in terms of, of uh what, what would you call it artistic value or merit um mm. other than it being which, which i disagree with but that's that's sort of the common perception that um it's you know Action movies, they're simple, they're dumb, they throw them out there, and, you know, that's that's what it is. And I will say, you know, that that is sort of true in that action movies can be simple and dumb, uh, but when an action movie is great, it's one that is um, sort of taking the elements that you, that you understand, your sort of fundamental monkey brain chemistry that's going on when you watch people kick each other, um, and it, and it makes it something more interesting and more elevated. Um, so this, for me, we're, we're talking about Enter the Dragon today. Uh, this is my first Bruce Lee movie that I've ever watched. Um, I had not seen this before. 
you obviously haven't seen this before, but you know, this is kind of an interesting area for me because I'm not very familiar with, with Kung Fu movies. I'm not very familiar with Bruce Lee. Um, you know, so my, my educate, I'm just as much of a casual, I feel like as, as you are. So I kind of want to come at it in that way. Like things that I noticed, things that I enjoyed, um, you know, I really want to come at it as this sort of monkey brained, uh, person that I am while watching a movie like this, I guess. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I don't, I'll, I'll throw in some, some fun little, facts as we go uh because there are some interesting ones i did want to start actually with um the <laughs> uh an interesting connection to the last movie th that we watched i don't know if you can think of it um isaac there's something very interesting that is the same between mm. these two movies the music yes it's made by lalo Schifrin, um who can you guess what else he made? Mm, no. The Mission Impossible theme. Oh, wow. Okay, so, okay. It's an interesting little tie in there because as I was as I was like first watching the movie, um, you know, you hear that that kind of striking music, you know, in the first in the first moments. Um and there's there's just something very like jazzy and moody and and cool about it um and i was like oh this, this is like kind of familiar like i feel like it's in a similar vein as as bullet um and then when the when the composer popped up i was like oh <laughs> lalo Schifrin, that is the same composer from bullet um so i just thought that was kind of an interesting tie-in to uh uh, what we watched last week. And I feel like um, this is something that needs to come back is these like bombastic, jazzy, um, moody scores that are so like, they just have this like cool factor. Um, and I think they went away because they feel like a little cheesy now, you know, it was, it might've been overdone or something. But uh, for me, like that was the music in this movie is some of my favorite you know, parts the the way that the music interacts with, with the fight scenes is just so like, it's, it's next level, you know, it's on another mm. planet, um, from a lot of, I mean, I haven't really, like I said, I haven't seen a lot of martial arts, Kung Fu movies. Um, but you know, frankly, I mean, this is just, it's wonderful. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the music sort of spices up, the feeling of the film because it starts as a very traditional Kung Fu movie from its opening moments, right? Um, kind of what you would imagine with a Kung Fu movie is like, you know, the robes and they're doing their fighting and it's like training and things like that. And then it sort of moves into like a modern city and then it kind of moves into that like spy espionage realm fairly quickly. And I think that's what makes this movie really unique and probably memorable for a lot of people in watching it. Right. I have no knowledge of Kung Fu movies. I know. I think what's, what's really cool about visiting a film like this is that there is so much about what Bruce Lee 
is known for in this movie that has resonated across culture and different action video games and movies. I mean, I couldn't stop thinking about uh, Liu Kang in, um, in uh, <laughs> Mortal Kombat, you know, because like all of his, he's basically just a knockoff Bruce Lee character in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in Mortal Kombat, right? Um, and so, yeah, to, to see how this, this movie blends so much of what's iconic about action movies up until that time, you have, you know, Kung Fu and what it was doing. There are elements of James Bond in this in this totally. uh, movie with kind of the spy espionage, the cool factor, you know, the womanizing sort of side of it. Um, and then there are little moments of like westerns as well in some of the the standoffs with um, within the combat and the fights. And so it's kind of this amalgamation. I think it's perfect for what we were doing exploring the 70s genre because it's like you can see so much of the influences of of action up until that point uh, blended into this mixture that hits just right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably what makes it such a notable action film of the time. And also the title. Come on, the title of the movie is, is awesome. I think it's I think it's so good, um, but I do want to know, Cameron, what your what your impressions were because you haven't seen it, and um, I'll let you know. I I thought the movie was um, just maybe a little too long, but overall fairly good. Um, so yeah, I I really liked the wackiness of it. Um, I liked how uh, sort of interestingly style like you like you said it's it's very much trying to be a a bond movie it's very much trying to tap into another genre that was really popular at the time which is black exploitation which is very like kung fu influenced um you know sort of semi-political messaging and and has this this you know edgier bent to it um and in, in a lot of ways it surprised me how um how it feels like a like a risky movie in some ways. Um, mm. You can tell it's it's shot on a very low budget, um, especially t- some of the sets towards the end. Uh, uh, but but in some ways, it's so um, cool that it it doesn't even need to have anything more than what it does. You know, it's shot on just this very basic island, um, and and really what you're what you're watch i mean it's it's funny because like the plot in some ways is is almost secondary um to you know what's immediately happening on screen um because everything is so um just kind of interesting interesting to look at interesting to watch the choreography is um you know it, it has this dynamism and then even even in these you know i think about the fight scene where um you know, it's the first time we kind of see all of the characters fight in like a tournament setting, you know, um, and the guy who, you know, uh, John Paxton, who's, who's like gambling, you know, he's he's trying to uh, to bet and they're trying to like, you know, kind of schmooze another guy on the sidelines. Um, and then, you know, there's there's that storyline. And then when he gets up and fights, um, he, you know, gets, gets beat up for a little bit. And that, so people are betting against him and then he just, you know, whips the guy, um, you know, and so these, there's these like little fun elements that, that kind of keep you engaged because there's a tendency. And I, I did notice this in, especially towards, 
um, well, there's there's two moments, but towards the end when there's like kind of a giant raucous uh, fight scene, you know, everybody's fighting each other. Um, it gets a little bit less compelling um, mm. where you, you kind of want to just see the individual storylines. Um, but, you know, even then, like I like you kind of have to have a scene like that where everybody's fighting, everybody's punching each other in the background and stuff. Dude, um, that scene reminded me so much of Avengers. Yeah, yeah. I don't oh. know why. <laughs> I was like, this is like so much like Avengers. I I can't even. Yeah, no, a little a little bit. Um but I I here's here's my one my big major criticism, I guess. Um the movie is paced like a three hour movie, uh, but it's like an hour and 45. <laughs> right, so, right. So like the first hour of the movie is the setup of like them getting to the island. And then like they don't even start the like tournament segment until uh, like an hour into the movie, basically, um, which is just kind of interesting. I don't know why it's set up like that. Like I do. I do enjoy seeing the storyline. It's like set up like. um like this, this Snyder cut of, of justice League, (laughs) where like everybody has their own backstories, you know, everybody has this, this like thing that they're all doing here, which is, which is fine. But I kind of like the scenes where they're interacting together to get their character, you know, much better than like, you know, he's being chased down in the golf, you know, in in the rough in the golf course or whatever you know like yeah like it's it's okay but i i like the scene on the boat way like so much better um right where they're all like interacting and they all have this this sort of um this tense interplay um so st- stuff like that i think holds it back a little bit for me where like it could be a lot tighter um like I can imagine a version where we don't really know anything about these guys when we get to yeah. Because why? Why do we even know about the backstory for uh, Paxton's character or for um, you know some of the other guys? There's not. There's really no reason to to get that in the very beginning. Um, so it's it's kind of an interesting choice. And yeah, for me, like stuff like that is is kind of what what holds it back from true greatness in a sense. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I just really had a fun, um, ride with it. I was thinking about, um, today, actually, I was thinking about how awesome the, the giant dude is Bolo. Yeah. He is such a cool character for the (laughs) seventies too. Like, I mean, I'm not saying there weren't bodybuilders back then, but but he that is guy is jacked. huge. Yeah, he is massive. Um, and and he it, just looks intimidating. Like he's he's one of those characters where, you know, they used to do this in movies, and I'm sure, you know, some some do now, but they used to do this thing where like a guy would just look scary and that's all you knew about him, you know? Right. He just looked scary. Well, they have and, a couple of those guys. I mean, they have the scar dude. Yeah, the scar dude when he gets killed is like crazy. That that scene is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I I I do want to kind of go through some of the the points of the movie to recap yeah. and kind of walk the audience through it. Um, but I wanted to get the the impressions out of the way, not to not to fully cut you off. Um, but 
so yeah, you, you can ra- wrap up your thoughts. I want to go kind of from the, the beginning towards, but I like this idea of like, if we were redoing it today, mm-hmm. uh, how you would do it differently. Cause I do agree with you, man, that would have been sick if we just started on the boat, not even knowing that yeah. Bruce Lee's character is there as an agent. Right. Cause that's like 30 minutes into the movie. I know. You know yeah. Had so much set up at, uh, at that point um, where it's like, you know, we've had we've had fight scene multiple fight scenes with some of these characters um and you know in some ways like i don't know it it could have been shifted that that emotional draw um but and you know in any case i i enjoyed my time with it i had fun i could see why it has sort of a cult following in some ways um mm-hmm. i could see how people like saw this as a kid and they they like fell in love with it you know there's there's something about movies like this where it's it inspires a kind of um yet you want to be bruce lee because he's just the baddest he's you know the the coolest he you know he doesn't talk a lot but in that end scene when he's in the cave i mean he is just like (laughs) you know you're like oh man everybody wants to be that guy um yeah. yeah, so I so I get that. I get the the sort of strong emotional thing in that. Um I mean, I liked Bruce Lee. I don't get me wrong. I just think that there were other scenes with him that he was so annoying to. <laughs> like he's a little bit like, mm, you know, like he yeah, has yeah. a little bit of that like kind of like anime protagonist sort of like you know he's he's untouchable. I was thinking about like a character like Cloud from Final Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> where he's just like awesome for no reason. Right. And he's just right, like right. yeah, just I am. You know, uh, like he just walks in. Like it's just a weird. It's weird when there's a character that, um, like the the physical fighting is not the issue, right? Um. Like he he is the the juggernaut the ultimate destroyer you know, um, but it, I think it leaves some room to desire some things from his character, but it also allows, um, it allows something cool with like the the villain is established as being also like a powerhouse right mm-hmm. yeah uh, and some of the other opposing enemy characters like the Scarface guy and the huge buff dude like there he's able to take them one by one and then his his interaction with Han at the end being sort of that that true face off right um yeah but he is awesome through and through uh the movie like just being like a kind of like like how i don't know like in in the dark knight trilogy and whatnot like batman gets beat up a little bit but like i would say like from the movie the batman like the batman is like untouchable and bruce lee kind of has like a similar uh, thing in this movie going on where he's just he's he's unbeatable in a in a in a cool way. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go through the top to the bottom, then we'll talk about what we could do to modernize this film because I think there's something here, um, and I think it's fun to kind of brainstorm and imagine that, uh, and then we can kind of praise things or or dismay things. But I I I'm kind of in agreement with you, Cameron, on this movie, um, that its pacing is its biggest issue. Let me just kind of recap that first hour uh, mm-hmm. for the audience that's listening here because we're assuming you haven't seen the movie. So the movie opens establishing that Bruce Lee has mastered his training uh, 
uh, as this, you know, kung fu dude. And he um, kind of talks about how he takes out his enemies with feeling and using their strength against them. Like he's like ascended to the, the highest level of, of Kung Fu. Right. And then, um, he learns about this old student who had fallen out of the order, uh, named Han. And then there's this kind of government interest information dude. Who's like, Hey, we want you to go track down Han. Uh, he's living on an Island and he's holding a Kung Fu tournament thing where you can show up and show your strength. And Bruce Lee's sort of like, well, why? And then we get kind of our first, one of the first action scenes where he sees a flashback scene of Han, I think, killing his mother and, and sister, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So there's a chase scene flashbacking uh, this event. And it's really good. His sister, like, puts up a, a cool, like, kind of, like, Chung Lee fight. She has sort of the blue with, like, the, the slippers, right? So she's, she's doing a ton of, like, kicks, high kicks on the guys. <laughs> and then she eventually gets caught up who, with a character who I'm going to call Scarface. He has a scar on his face. Uh, and she um, suicides with a piece of glass. It's a pretty, pretty intense scene. I was kind of shocked. I was like, whoa, like, wow, this is... This is pretty out there. And then well, it kind of and goes they're all chasing her because I guess the implication is that they're going to like rape her or something. I don't like that's kind I, of the... I kind of assume that's what's going on. I also have no idea why Han is the murdering Bruce Lee's family. Like it's just very well, and, like And Han is like is is he even the one doing it? Is it just the I don't Scarface know. guy? It's I a don't little really it's know. a little convoluted, I'll say. Yeah. It's it's not Needless it's not to say, clear. connections to Bruce Lee's family tied to Han and his existence. So the the informant guy's like, all right, well, you know, we, we need to get the dirt on Han. Then we can send in the troops, but we don't have the dirt. Where he he's clearly doing something on this island. Here's your motivation. Uh, and we're gonna send you through this kung fu thing. You can impress him, but we need you to dig around, right? So there's Bruce Lee's setup. He's motivated. Uh, you know, he uh, Han killed, you know, my family out of nowhere. I just found this out. It's also funny because when he brings up, like, his family, it's almost like, it's almost like he's finding out that they are deceased or something, you know? Like, <laughs> I think it's, it's very, like, it's funny. It's, it's kind of just strange. Then you cut away to two other characters who are kind of rendezvousing at the boat to go to the island. Um, I don't remember if it shows them. I think it shows them on the boats preparing to get on the large ship. Out to the they're, island, right? they're like in the town. You see sort of like yeah. cutaways of them in the town, like on, right. on little tuk-tuks or on carts or whatever. Uh, so we're uh, we're introduced to John Saxon's character, whose name is Roper. Uh, Cameron and I were laughing together because we we're like, this guy looks like old Zac Efron, like so <laughs> much like it. There's scenes in this movie where it's like kind of weird. It feel it feels very strange uh, seeing him on screen. Even Juliana was like, yeah, he does look like Zac Efron. Roper is a gambler. Uh, he is the American white dude who can beat up. <laughs> debt collectors that come after him at the golf course. And he just kind of flees off to this tournament because he's sort of like, Oh, whatever, you know, like, uh, and I got to get away from my debt collectors. And he's constantly like kind of saying like, want to bet. And so that's his character. He's, um, he's pretty cunning and stoic, but also a little bit like 
um, he's like, like the he's brash little, guy. The, yeah. the decision that you know he makes sometimes the wrong decisions uh, that get him in trouble. Yeah, he's kind of got the the Han Solo sort of thing going on with his character. Um, little bit of vice, but there's like a, a soft side, a good side to him. Yeah, uh, and definitely. you're kind of seeing that pretty quickly. Um, so that's why he's on the ship. He's running from the debt collectors, and um, he's a he's shown as a as a good fighter. And then there's Jim Kelly, who's um, who's this guy? I don't know where he's from, but he's kind of um, like shown in another like kung fu environment. Uh, and then like it shows like he gets run down by the cops. I don't know if it's implying that it's because of his race because he's african-american um but yeah these cops just suddenly are like oh we we got you now like almost it's it's a it's kind of out there you know Um, i think that i think that is the because he's like part of an all black um uh like karate group um yeah and then he's he you know he's he always has it's it's like um, like I was saying, sort of the black exploitation uh, kind of thing that's going on, which is very much yeah. kung fu influenced, uh, but has that element of like the the Black Panthers or you know some you know interest like in that realm. Um, yeah, and he he gets pulled over by the cops, and he uh, he he karate's them into <laughs> into some dogs, <laughs> right? <laughs> which right, is, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. And like he's got, he's also got kind of the swagger side, nice yeah. clothes, got the afro, a little bit of the the music always kind of goes like disco funk when he's around, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's like, you know, Bruce Lee, who's kind of the like the the master karate guy. Then you got like the kind of scummy, stoic American white dude, and then you got like the cool, laid back kind of, uh, you know. Um, African-American kung fu guy. And those three guys meet up on the ship. You kind of start to see them interact. And that's like an hour in, finally, after you get all these random pack stories with them, right? Where the movie kind of starts to get good is when these guys go to this mysterious island um, and they are kind of treated like kings, royalty. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a big party. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Roper, who's the gambler, is like, hey, this is my scene. I'm all about it. Uh, Lee is looking around, kind of like, what's going on? You know, trying to get a lay of the land. And Williams is very, like, laid back, just also enjoying it, but a little bit less, um, I would say a little bit less, like, pokey. He's just kind of there to win, right? Um, He likes likes the fight. And uh, there's... You know, the there's, like, the vice at the party, right? You get to see, like, all these warriors kind of watching uh, sumo wrestlers and jesters, and they're eating, and then later that night they're offered women and things like that. Bruce Lee has a connection to one of the, one of the girls who's, like, an informant um, who's kind of, like, she's mentioned and then she kind of shows up and you're like, wait, who is that again? And then like, you know, like she's kind of just like a background agent that's been planted there. Um, but I, I don't know. Like she's just there. Um, you know, Williams is like, yeah, I love the girls. I'll take them all. You know, Roper is kind of, 
he's kind of like scheming with like the hostess. Like he's like, oh, like I want the hostess to like be with me, you know. So he's kind of digging for some information, but he's he's also being very playful with it. And then the next morning, they they finally get together for a fight, and it shows kind of Williams as being super confident. He takes down a guy, uh, Roper, and and th- I think this is where it gets really good, right? Like Williams destroys his opponent, right? Uh, Roper, the gambler, says, great, like, I bet on you. I like you, man. They kind of have a friendship. And Roper's like, why don't you bet on me? Uh, And this was probably the best fight scene in the movie, I thought, where Roper is fighting another opponent, and he keeps going down. He gets taken down. But every time he's taken down, he looks over at Williams, like, have you placed the bet, you know? Uh, and at first you don't really understand it. Like he gets taken down and you're like, wow, he sucks. Right. Uh, and he looks over at Williams. They do it again. He gets taken down. He looks over at Williams. Williams is like, I don't want to like, no, dude, you suck. You can't do it. And then like, finally, like the third time Roper's like looking at him, like, come on, like place the bet. And he places the bet and then he gets up in the, and he like just destroys his opponent right there, you know, just for the bet. So Roper's got a serious gambling issue, right? Um, and uh, it's 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 pretty cool. They're they're shown as very strong um, warriors. Now, I don't think Lee fights in the first tournament, but not that we see now. Yeah, he. It kind of goes to that next night. Uh, and they're supposed to be staying in their rooms, you know, occupied and satisfied and all that stuff. Um, and Lee uses this time to sneak out. This is where you get a lot of the James Bond, you know, the the underground rocks, the facility. Felt a lot like Goldeneye at moments where he's climbing down ropes and dodging around and sneaking around and things like that. Um, and then he Williams... Picks up a snake at one point. Yeah, yeah. Or is that, that, was, is that, that might be later. I think that's later. Yeah, that's later in his second sneak out. Um, so, you know, you get a little bit of excitement. And you're like, what's going on? You know, you're trying to figure out what's what's happening. Uh, there's there's kind of some clues about, uh, like, Lee's informant who's there uh, is Su Lin, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's Su Lin. Uh, or Mei Ling. I don't remember. Um, I think Su Lin might be the, uh, his sister. Yes, um, yeah. She's mailing. Yeah. Um, uh, She's yeah. mailing. Yeah. yeah. The informant. And so she says, like, you know, women go missing. There's, like, something going on. Like, we're really held under watch and things like that. Um, and so he sneaks them out. Uh, Williams goes outside to stretch and get some air and uh, gets seen by a guard, right? So he's outside. Uh, somebody sees Williams and he's like, Hey, what's up? You know, whatever. And then Lee is sneaking around and beating up people as well at the same time. So the next day, Han, uh, who's watching the tournament, the main bad guy says, Hey, we heard people went outside and you're not supposed to. And these guards failed to stop you. So we are going to have the guards like fight, uh, Bolo, who's the big, the big guy and the big guy just murders these four guys, right? Like in the middle of this tournament and everyone's kind of like, whoa, it's sort of like it's elevating the intensity of what's going on. Right. Everybody's just doing Kung Fu. Now these four guards are dead. Right. And they're dragging the bodies (laughs) off. Uh, so it's, it, it gets, it gets pretty intense right there. Bolo's very intimidating. He's 
picking up people over his head, snapping their backs and things like that. I just um, love his faces too. Like he, just, yeah, he just steps on people's faces with just contempt. You know, <laughs> yeah, <like> yeah. <laughs> he's just he's a big baddie, you know. Uh, and then Han is like, you know, whoever snuck out, um, it's our fault that you weren't stopped by these guards. Um, so that's their incompetence that got them killed. So now let's see some people fight. Bruce Lee is called up to fight. And they put Scarface, who killed Sue Lin, his sister, in the earlier scene to fight him. And Lee just destroys this dude. Like, he just kills him right there, you know? At first, he he's playing... His... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, go, go ahead. <laughs> At first, he... I mean, but this is, like, the real time you, you actually see Lee fight for real yeah. in the movie, yeah. right? So what? We're, like, it feels like an hour and 20 minutes in at this point. Like, the movie's almost over, right? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it feels like pretty late in the movie. You finally get to see him fight. So there's a lot of buildup to this moment, right? And he's already facing off against one of the big baddies that you know of in the movie. Mm -hmm. There's really Han, there's Bolo, the big guy, and then there's the Scarface dude. And you see the Scarface dude is, is kind of the main threat because of what happened to Lee's sister. So he just obliterates Scarface from the start. Scarface uh, smashes bottles and is like, I'm going to kill this guy, you know? And then Lee, you know, letting out his Kung Fu screams, which is a lot like Liu Kang in, in Mortal Kombat, if you know what I'm talking about. Kind of like the classical Kung Fu, kind of like like the monkey, whoa, kind of thing, right? Going on. Like, he just demolishes Scarface in front of everybody and is like, yeah, whatever, you know? Uh, but it's also like he's like justified in his killing because it's like mm -hmm. that's the guy that uh, destroyed his sister, right? Um, so it kind of goes out of hand, right? Well, it's, it's funny because there's a moment where, um, you know, so like he's got the bottles and, you know, it's like this this nice like slow-mo, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, he, you know, he kicks the bottles out of his hands um, and then he just... He just absolutely, I mean, he just like face stomps this, this guy. And for a moment there, you don't, you know, there's like the shot of, of his face, you know, just being like, I'm enacting yeah. revenge. Um, but you don't realize that <laughs> the Scarface dude is dead until yeah. the, I think they like drag his body. <laughs> yes. At one yes. Point and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. It's <laughs> so funny. Oh, yeah. oh, no, no, no. He, someone checks on him. Uh, right. Someone right. checks his pulse. <laughs> and uh um yeah, and he's dead. He, that's the Scarface dead, dude. He um yeah, he got his face stomped in. <laughs> I mean rightfully so too. I mean there's yeah. a side of it it's like, yeah. I mean he deserved it. So people are dying on the second day of kung fu, right? It's it's elevated. Han is not happy. Han calls Williams uh to his office confronts Williams and says, hey, you were seen outside uh, and it's your fault. You know, you, what were you doing out? You shouldn't have been out there. And Williams is like, man, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, like I just stretched. I didn't beat up any guards. And Han basically destroys Williams right there. So this is where, like, Han gets to show off his kung fu um, and he beats Williams super aggressively 
uh, to a pulp and kills him. Um, well, I mean, I, it, it, yeah, he's, he could be dead there or at a later scene where they drown him. Right. <laughs> you don't really know. Uh, <laughs> well, he, he beats him into the next room where a bunch of women are smoking opium. Yes. And then he, and then he hits him over the head with his metal hand. <laughs> That is, right is, yeah. is uh, just just revealed. We don't realize that he's he's got an enhancement. You know, his his hand is is solid brass or whatever. So then you get like Roper is kind of like, well, I was supposed to meet up with Williams or friends. You know, we were winning bets. Han calls Roper. He basically shows Roper all of his evil, right? He's like, here are my prisoners. Here are my ex- the people I'm experimenting on. And, of course, I am <laughs> cooking opium down here. I <laughs> want to become this global drug trader. Uh, and we're doing great. This is There's a the moment in from. this interaction that is maybe my favorite in oh. the whole movie, actually. Oh, yes, actually, yeah. So, Do you, do you know what I'm going to say? Yes, um, of course. So there's there's this part where um, he's kind of showing ar- him around the trinkets and, you know, all the evil souvenirs that he has. Um, and then he goes up to, um, you know, what is a... Um, uh, guillotine. A guillotine. Um, and he, he says... Put your neck down in the guillotine, Mr. Roper. Um, and Roper's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. No way. I don't know you. Um, and so, um, you know, he's been walking around with this cat, and he puts the cat in the guillotine. And at this point, this movie has gotten so off the rails, I don't even know where it's going. So, Dude, Juliana like, oh got up. She was like, there's no way. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I'm not. She's like, she like had instant nightmares because of that scene. She left the room and I was like, I actually have no idea if they're going to just chop this cat in half. I know. I I thought the same exact thing. And he says, he says something like, um, uh, it takes someone very strong to be like truly ruthless. Um, something like that. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, this is really good. You know, he's, he's, um, the intimidation factor of this bad guy is is awesome. Like it's yeah, really it's like a good. Nolan villain moment. You know? <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent philosophical and just like like it's like cutting into something so dark, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and then Roper takes the cat off the uh, off the guillotine, and he pulls the lever. Um, and it's the, it's the elevator down and it's just so good. You're like, yeah, wow, this is, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a pretty like shocking moment. Then he shows him, here's where all my prisoners are. Here's, here's all the, the people we're experimenting on to create the best opium. And, and he pitches to him to Roper. He says, Hey, like, I want you to be my business partner in the U.S. selling this stuff. And then you see William's body all chained up. And they and um, Han says, I just want you to know the repercussions of your decision, <laughs> uh, depending on what you're going to say next. And they drop Williams into uh, a pool of water full and chained. So he's dead, dead. You know, they make sure that you know he's dead, dead. And, and so I think, it, I, I think it's actually implied... 
on the scene on the boat um, that they knew each other from Vietnam. They had some sort of connection to each other. Oh, I didn't. Um, I didn't pick up on that from Vietnam. Um, so they, I think they knew each other beforehand. So he's like, he's upset about this, you know, because they were friends, presumably. Yeah. So Roper's kind of hold. He's upset by it, and he's also holding his cards pretty close. And he says, "Well." I guess we're in business, you know, like he's kind of like, I get it. You know, I, at this point, I'm not going to try to stand up to you. So then they go to that third day of, of the tournament. Right. And, um, this is where you get the Avengers showdown. Um, Roper is pitted against Lee. Um, and Han says, okay, Roper, now's your time to show like your allegiance. And he's basically like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna fight. Well, Bruce wait, wait. Lee, actually, right? before this, um, there's uh, in the meantime, Lee has been st- snooping around again. Um, really, I don't remember. <laughs> He's snooping around the whole movie. So I know, I know. This is where he picks up the snake. Um, no, oh yeah, really? No, no, no. It's right after. It's right after the scene with um, with Roper and with uh, with Han. Um, He's sneaking around. He picks up the snake. Um, he throws it in the guards <laughs> security desk. Yes, yes, um, yes. Which is great. And he sees all these like these drugged out women um yeah. who are, like banging on the glass. Um, which is kinda kinda funny. It's it's interesting. Um, um but uh, you know, he yeah, he's got that that scene and then he, he's kinda fighting the guards sneakily. Um he takes a shirt off because that's what you do when you're shredded um and a martial arts action hero. Um, and there's this, there's this interesting fight sequence where he, he kind of every guard with sticks, like it is like an anime movie, like, like every guard with sticks comes at him. Um, and he just uh, obliterates all these guys. Um, and I guess there's a bunch of prisoners chained up down. He has like every evil under the book. He's got chained up women. He's got like drunks in the, in the drunk tank. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So anyway, so I, uh, he, um, there's, I, I think there's two people in this movie, uh, that, that Bruce Lee kills. <laughs> um, I think it's in this scene. It might be in a scene later. Um, but he, he kills, he kills the Scarface dude and then he snaps this guy's neck. He's just like a pr- a random prison guard who's thrown at him, and I think it's this sequence. Um, and that random prison guard is Jackie Chan. <laughs> no way. Yeah. No way. I didn't <laughs> Do you even remember pick this? Up on that. No, I know. I know the scene because he kills him, and then the other guy like runs. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, after I think that, it right? is in this scene. Uh, um, he 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 kills. I mean. There's this, there's like some assumed deaths, you know, like he throws Maybe. that one guy to all the drunks who like zombie. Oh, I guess him. that is true. Yeah. And but then then if like, we're, if we're going by Batman rules, that's not a true. That's you know, true. He didn't killing. do it. <laughs> he didn't do it. He just threw him to the, to the wolves. You know, he, the wolves are responsible at that point. But, so, but, but the, the two that we really focus on, he like, it zooms in before he snaps this guy's neck. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's it's like he's he's in full beast mode. He's super sane. He is like unhinged. I mean, there, there's that famous scene with him in the nunchucks, uh, yeah, as well at this moment where he's just 
yeah, he's using the long stick. He's using um, nunchucks. He's taking on guys with weapons without weapons. You know, he's he's beating everybody right here. And the and the last guy, I love it. The last guy just running for his life. You know, <laughs> it's it's great. You know, um, and I and don't eventually remember. he gets trapped. Yeah, he, he gets, gets trapped, trapped but him. I don't. Oh yeah, he gets trapped and then he gets cuffed and brought to the third day. Yeah, that's what's yeah. going on. Yeah, it's like the third, uh, the third tournament day. He is um, in cuffs by um, the uh, the the buff dude, um, Bolo. Yeah. Bolo. So Bolo has him there at the tournament, and he's pitted against Roper. Roper's like, no. So then um, Bolo says, okay, I'll, I'll take him on. And then you get to see uh, this the big, the big Bolo take on uh, Bruce Lee, who is very lean and fast. And it's also very brutal and intense. Or no, it's not, it's not Lee. It's Roper. Yeah, Roper Roper um, fights Bola, right? First. Yeah, which feels uh, like more intense because you don't know if Roper is could take him, you know, <laughs> right? Like you're like yeah. okay, like Lee could take him, but but Roper not so sure. And there's some close calls with him, um, but he does some some pretty dirty fighting, uh, which kind of adds to the like the scum cool dude thing where he like bites the leg. Yeah, he bites his legs. Neck. Right. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of cool moves. And then this is where the all out war kind of breaks out. Um, Lee is standing there and Han starts yelling, you know, okay, these three guys take him out. And he takes those guys out. Okay, four guys, five guys, you know, like and then it, it just it goes into full chaos. Right. And Lee is hunting down Han and all the chaos while fighting all these guys. Um, it's the well, Avengers think- fight. I think Roper actually, he he beats Bolo, um, yeah, like yeah, yeah. one to one, yeah. Um, and then the informant lady goes and releases all the drunks in the drunk tank. <laughs> no, the- yes, yeah, but the, but after, um, not that it matters that much, but Roper beats him and then they're sending like sets of guys at him. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. And so this is how, that's how the Avengers thing builds up is that Mei Ling goes and releases all the trunks. <laughs> so you have guys in, in kind of black, black cloaks against the Kung Fu guys in white. Um, and apparently the, the drunks are just ruthless. I mean, they're, they're, they're trained yeah. fighters as well, which is, I guess is, so. They all know Kung uh, Fu. <laughs> yeah. So you get like this all out war in the training yard. Uh, Han is running for his life, but he, Han also like has like that middle hand. He swaps for a disgusting Chewbacca knife, uh, <laughs> attachment thing. And, uh, he's kind of jabbing and attacking Lee and Lee, Lee is chasing him and kind of winning. Uh, and it leads to a final confrontation, um, sort of in in Han's offices. What did you think of the final fight with uh, Lee and Han? I loved it. It's very, um, it's very classic. You you've you like recognize the imagery. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where uh, you know it starts in his kind of trinket room where he's got all the stuff and he swaps his hand out for these like knife Bowie knife hand blades. Stupid. That was um, so stupid. It's a block <laughs> of wood with like four kitchen <laughs> knives on the front of. It's so stupid, but yeah, it is, it, looks, it is it looks like, a little dumb. It's uh, it reminds me of that, 
Street Fighter character that has the it's like the Wolverine hand, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. So, um, but I, I mean, you know, Bruce Lee's getting slashed up and stuff, and like there's cool stuff with that where you know he's got all these all these scars, you know, he's got these bloody slashes going down his chest and stuff. Um, and then they he ran he tries to ram him with a spear, but instead he goes straight through the wall and then he turns the wall around. Um, and, and, you know, he goes into this mirror room, uh, which is very fun. It's, it's very like John Woo to me, you know, Mm -hmm. it has this, this element of like, it's a little absurd because if you, um, (laughs) it, it uses a lot of like camera trickery to, to kind of imply that, that neither of them really know where they are or know, you know, where anybody else is. Uh, but if you've ever been in one of those like fun house places, you you know you can kind of you can kind of right, tell who's right. next to you or whatever. Um, but it's still it's still very fun and and it has this um, this sense of danger where you know they you know the the element of having um, having this sort of elusive villain be after you. Um, this cat and mouse game um, is is just a very engaging uh, fight sequence, and I like mm. um, you know they kind of have the classic you know they see each other they fight a little bit and then they they kind of break away and they um, you know they they have to start again and find each other, um, and then there's a moment where he hears his master talk about uh, you know if you break. If you break the illusions, um, if you break the images, you'll you'll find, you know, what's truly underneath or whatever, um, and you know, so it's it's just this this sort of fun pulling in of of all of the things that are interesting about the movie, the you know, the sort of philosophy and the imagery and um, just this dynamism, um, and then there's a there's just, I guess, full spoilers, but you know, he kills Han, obviously. Um, but there's, there's just this wonderful moment where he, he kicks him into the spear, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then he, and then he walks out of the of the mirror room as as Han's body is spinning on the thing. Yeah, which is just, I mean, it's just awesome. You know, there's something so cool about it. Um, it's very like Indiana Jones to me. There, there's something about it that that had, you know yeah the film the film just feels classic it's got the shock it's got the style um i really was surprised by this one i think that its biggest issue is that it spends too much time on story that's not that important and not that um great <laughs> you know like the flashback scenes and all that um you could have start i agree with you you could have started on the boat um Cameron, you're making Enter the Dragon 2025. Mm-hmm. How are you restructuring this movie and doing it? I mean, like, I kind of, once we wrapped up the summary, I'm like, I kind of wanted to, like, stand up and clap, you know? Like, it was it, it still very enjoyable for being almost, like, what, 50 years old at this point? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so. I think... Um, I think one thing that it does that I would change, other than, you know, obviously we talked about some of the issues that I have with pacing, the fact that the movie starts basically like 30 minutes into the movie, um, 
you know, cut away some of that, those trimmings. And I think part of it, obviously it's an hour and 40 minutes long and half of the actual runtime is just like fight sequences in slow motion. So like they are trying to pad out certain things, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I know it feels like it's longer than, than it is in some ways. Um, but I think, you know, obviously some of the backstory with, with the sister and, you know, some of the things that it's doing are very directly because they're trying to sort of, you know, lengthen that runtime and not have to have, you know, so many fight scenes for so long. So given that, um, I think what is, um, what could be interesting about the movie. So, um, like an hour or so in, um, we get that scene with um, Williams and Han in in their office, and this is like you said, where you first see Han's um, sort of uh, you you first see his power basically, um, yeah. And he he crushes Williams, who well, like you said, was a very competent, impressive fighter. Um, but I don't think we ever get that again from Han, um, even in the scenes where, you know, he's fighting with, with Lee, you know, he's always kind of on the back foot. Um, I want to see Han be the ultimate challenge to Lee, um, you know, and that be the reveal. So instead of, um, you know, maybe we can, we can kill off Williams in a, in a different way not have Hans beat him to a pulp. Um, and then, you know, maybe later on in that, in that third tournament sequence, Hans just absolute, Han just absolutely um, destroys Roper or something. You know, he yeah. just like, you know, beats the crap out of him. Um, and this is the first time we see him actually, you know, he's been sort of talked up as this legendary fighter this is the first time we actually see it in action and it's super intimidating because everybody, um, you know, up to this point has been, you know, scared of blah, 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 you know, like things like that, where, where you want to, you want to shift sort of the power levels of some of these characters. So that Lee is, um, I don't think we ever feel like Lee is in any danger. Yeah. Um, because he's so um, awesome, <laughs> which is cool, and that's fine. Um, but I do want to see him face like a real threat in some ways. I, I don't know that we get that in this movie. So that's that's kind of the big thing that I would change is I would I would switch up some of the some of the pairings where I want to see Lee in this like like be put in a challenging spot other than having like 10 guys thrown at him where he just whoops him. Yeah. I think I would, um, there's something about Lee being unstoppable that I enjoy. I think it would be interesting if we shifted Roper's character into the lead, um, and made him be a guy that's down on his luck. Take this chance for the tournament and show Lee as, like, uh, kind of the unbeatable Williams as, like, the friend that he needs at the time, you know? There's something that you could kind of twist around there. Um, and uh, I I don't know. I think, I think that the movie... 
has a lot of cool potential that could be capitalized and is capitalized and influences a lot of what makes great action today. I think Cameron, if one, you could, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, before we move on, one other thing that I would do, um, we get a lot of plot and a lot of backstory in the first part, but if we start on the boat, you know, there, there's this sort of, um, highly talked about high, you know, um, maybe it's this prestigious, um, uh, tournament, right? You know, it's it's sought after. This is like the ultimate of the ultimate. Um, and, you know, it's run by Han. He's this sort of mysterious guy. We don't know that much about him. Um, having those scenes where um, where Lee is looking around and he's kind of, he's finding out some things and he's like, oh my gosh, there's like a prison down here and girls are going missing and like there's a, there's, you know, they're cooking up opium and stuff like all of that makes, um, makes the snooping around bit more enjoyable because what we see is already what we know. We know that Han is this bad guy who, you know, kind of has disgraced the Shaolin temple and is like, you know, is, you know, putting, is basically an evil mastermind. We know this already right, about right. Him, you know, that's, that's how he, but if we're kind of introduced to him as this, this more maybe heroic figure or, you know, someone who has, um, you know, has these, you know, is respected in the, you know, the Kung Fu community or something, having him, you know, having this sort of like, uh, barbarian esque, um, sequence where we we you know we pull the rope and we go down the rabbit hole of finding what's what's down in in the caves and finding what's down in the basement that just seems like such a such a more interesting and alive way to show that plot i guess um i think we have uh we have han kill williams with the guillotine and then do the guillotine scene with the cat (laughs) oh maybe yeah, then Roper maybe. walks in that room and is like, what is this, you know, is that a little blood stain right there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is that? Um, yeah. I think, you know, I don't know if this movie needs to be remade. I think it, it could be a a great staple of its time period. But I think there's some concepts here that could make a great film. I mean, we you watch a movie like The Menu, and it's people being secluded in this interesting kitchen environment. I mean, who's to say that isn't desired or wanted still? Um, I think there's, there's room for something adventurous and mysterious. I think like pairing mystery and action would be so cool, especially because there's a kick on like, you know, the, what is it? Knives out and, uh, you know, the glass onion and the menu, like that kind of style of movie paired with some Kung Fu would be so good. Yeah. So, so good. Um, What do you think Enter the Dragon has left behind in its legacy that we see used often in cinema today and in action movies today, Cameron? What are some Mm. things that you think, uh, even if it's not the first movie to do it, um, is there something from this film that you think really influenced the 80s, the 90s, or some of the modern action movies that we regard um, today. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, with with a sequence where there's, you know, all these guys being thrown at, at 
Bruce Lee, like I think about something like Old Boy, you know, where he's mm-hmm. he's in the hallway and he's fighting off all these guys. Um, you know, different tone in some ways, but just these long sort of unbroken shots of, uh, you know, of Lee taking on a bunch of combatants. Um, you know, that's something that I think has got to come from either, you know, other Bruce Lee movies or, or this one, especially. I mean, I, I can't, can't think of a movie before this that, that has that sort of, um, you know, full throttle, everybody on him action. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I can think of, of a movie before that, 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 that does this. Um, so much of, I think what, like what made the matrix, what it is, is found in, in these early Kung Fu movies. Mm, yeah. Um, I think that's like an obvious pull. Uh, and of course, as the, as the movies go fuller and Neo fights like a bunch of Mr. Anderson's, right? Like that, that kind of. <laughs> Uh, style mixes with it, but I love what you said about Old Boy. I know people ref- refer to the Raid or the Raid mm-hmm. Two as as movies like that. I've never seen those, so I don't really know. Uh, but I'm trying to think of other elements that, um, kind of, kind of like are are pulled from this film. And I know I mentioned some like location based, like Mystery Island sort of thing. I think there's something about that. There there could have been another element to this movie, if they'd cut the beginning where they played with like escaping the Island or getting away from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a character to the Island. There's a style to it. Um, they say it's like a for its own fortress and it's kind of exhilarating to explore that. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot here that's a product of its time, but there's a lot here that's still, uh, echoing throughout pop culture and, and movie making. I mean, the the other thing, like, I kept bringing up video games, fighting video games. Uh, so much of what you see in this movie, uh, I feel like, translated into that space in the 90s and 2000s. Um, and it made iconic characters like like Liu Kang. I love Liu Kang. Have He's you ever seen kick. a movie called um, Battle Royale? I've not. I've not, but I really want to see it. Have you heard of it? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That movie, I think, definitely takes inspiration from um, from a movie like this, except a little more, um, a little less organized in terms of you know people going after people, you know, a tournament setting. Um, but it's a very yeah, it's a very interesting movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but um, it's one that we could we could we should definitely revisit. Because I think it's worthwhile. Is as far as kung fu movies go, I still think my favorite kung fu movie of all time that definitely wouldn't exist uh, if it wasn't for this movie and what Bruce Lee was doing um, is the what is it called Rush Hour. Rush mm. Hour One is, I think, almost a perfect movie in my eyes. You know who did I the watched- music for Rush for Rush Hour? Stop it. No way. <laughs> Lalo Shefferin. <laughs> All right. Well, watch Rush Hour 1. I thought it was on Netflix at one point. Um, but it's it's so good. And some of the action like, and the plot is actually... Um, it's kind of exhilarating. Like, the first movie has a great plot, in my opinion. Um, Did you, I ever you tell you tell that, I, that I met uh, Brett Ratner one time? <laughs> no. No. That's awesome. 
that's not so awesome because you know he turned out to be a little bit of a of a predator but you know uh well i don't really know anything about him so (laughs) i just think rush hour one is great you know fair Um, enough you know you know fair enough there's so much i like about that movie i Hmm. i yeah i would i know we were i think tim was watching it at the bachelor party i think we were watching rush hour two maybe oh okay yeah rush hour one dude there's a lot. There's a lot there that I like. Um, so if we had time to visit it, we should. Hmm. And I know you want to watch Die Hard. Maybe we'll just keep Action Movie Month going at some point. Hmm. Um, we Or we'll resume it. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, maybe. Um, next week, starting off October, spooky, spooky dookie time. Yeah. What are we going to watch? You had an interesting idea. So there, um, Juzo did recommend a movie called uh, Possession that I've never seen, but I've always wanted to. Um, and it is one that I think is pretty spooky, um, as far as I know. But um, I've it was in one of those. Do, do you remember um, uh, Every Frame of Painting? Um, I think he did yes. a. Uh, an essay about possession. It was it was one of those guys, um, but he kind of left it very vague, um, so you could watch it. Uh, and I've always wanted to watch it since since that one. So I don't know if that's going to be. Is it too scary? Week. I don't know. I've never seen it. I'm not sure. I think um, we should. Ra- I think we should ramp up. I think we should do this thing <laughs> again where we do old ones and move into new ones. You know. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely could. Um, All right, do you want to know my list? I'm looking at a list here, and there's some movies because, like, the top the top horror movies we've watched a lot of these. We have watched a ton of these. I told Uh, you, and and so I mean, for someone that used to hate horror movies, I'll admit it, I was wrong. There's a they're great. I mean, there's a there's a lot of bad horror movies out there though. So just don't don't you know? That's all I'm gonna say. Just don't. There are a few on this list that I have been curious to watch mm-hmm. for a very long time. Let me start from the old ones, all right? Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978. I just it's on this horror list. I don't know, maybe it's too sci-fi, but like mixing sci-fi and horror, love that. I'd be interested to watch it. I know it's pretty campy. Another one on here is 28 Days Later. I've never seen that. Mm. Feels a little bit more action-oriented, you know, kind of lean into some stuff there. Um, you're going to love this, Juzo, so don't get mad at me. Jaws. I have not seen Jaws in oh. since I was like eight. So I really re- I remember nothing except for the shark scene where he needs a, he says we need a bigger boat. That's the only thing I remember about that movie. Ooh, maybe uh, we should watch Jaws next week. Yeah, no, I literally couldn't tell you anything else about the film. It's really uh, good. It's really so good. that that's I remember the the chum bucket and he and then he's <laughs> throwing it behind. And he's oh, we're gonna need a bigger boat. Like the you know he turns around with the glasses and so so um so that's one that I wanted to recommend. Another one now, that's on this list. I wouldn't say it's probably the the highest rated one, but it's it, I think philosophically i've kind of been interested in this movie called it follows from 2014 i like it follows yeah i i don't know very much about it uh but i really liked the concept 
And I think we would have fun talking about it. Um, the another movie <laughs> that has really freaked me out just the, to- the just the the look of the movie um, that yeah I just don't know how to feel is the witch I have never seen it and it looks so scary uh, I just I'm it just looks the, t- the 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 it just looks horrifying I just I don't know I have a weird story with the witch um, uh, so I I like. Um, Robert Eggers. Um, I think I think he's a, a good filmmaker. All everything that I've seen has been good of his. Um, but I started the the witch, and halfway through, um, I think I had to go to, uh, like a meeting, or I had to. I was like meeting up with some friends. This was like many many years ago. I was still at my first house in San Francisco, um, and so I got about like an hour into the witch and then I just never got back to it. And so like all that I know about the witch is the first hour, which is, you know, I'm not going to say it's boring, but it's not (laughs) like, you know, things haven't, haven't, haven't ramped up yet. Um, but I, I would like to, to finish it. So, um, a couple other suggestions for you, Cameron, I just putting together a list and I know I'm throwing a lot at you. Yeah. Do you need me to repeat any of those, or? Uh, no. Um, let's see. I didn't. I didn't watch a Quiet Place, at all. So I don't really know. Uh, but I have been watching The Office, so I've been thinking about Krasinski. Um. Well, I I want to I want to open this conversation up because you pitched me a, a kind of an interesting idea, um, that I thought m- m- might be a good. Maybe we don't have to stick exactly to it because I do want to. I definitely want to watch. I know there's two new horror movies that have just come out that are mm-hmm. like making the rounds. So I I want to pr- maybe try to watch one of those. Um, but you pitched me the idea of horror movies that had basically a really really low budget or were sort of you know these sort of str- shoestring projects that ended up blowing up. Um, yeah. And Jaws, I think, fits into that, uh, where it, it's not a shoestring budget, but it's a pretty low low budget studio film. You know, it was kind of pitched as a B-movie. Definitely I think were, ran over budget. And then... The term know. that I'm looking for is return on investment. The <laughs> highest right, return right, on right. investment horror movies. Because, yeah. you know... I think another good lot. one for that... Uh, would be Saw. I love oh, Saw. Oh gosh. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big Saw stand. The first one, um, which you know was basically on like a million dollar budget, um, and ended up making like you know over a hundred million dollars. So definitely fits the bill for that. I've never seen Blair Witch, uh, but that would be sort of in that vein as well. Um, not that it's necessarily a good movie because I don't know that it is, but um, yeah, so things things to think about. I have one more for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this is um, if this would lead to being on the list, but it's one that really stood out to me. Um, it is called Happy Death Day. 
from 2017. Did I ever make oh, you watch no. this movie? No, you didn't. No. $4.8 million budget, and it made $125.5 million. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge return on investment. And I think the movie is like really fun, like super duper good. So I would love to watch that with you. I Juliana really enjoyed it as well. Mm. Um, I would say in today's movie scene, it's a little um, like it's kind of like a predictable setup, but doesn't hurt it at all. I think it's a lot of fun. So, um, oh, they have a sequel. Happy Death Day to you. <laughs> I gotta watch this too. Uh, uh-huh. uh, did not do well, as well. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of options here, and we can good response. We can we can think. <laughs> there's about a lot it. of options. <laughs> Come on, Cameron. To, you to be fair, basically you... any successful horror movie could fit under this bill because they were all made on really low budgets and then blew up. So. <laughs> Five mil to 125 mil, that's a crazy return on investment. Okay, but like I was just looking at Scream. Yeah. That's like a $14 million budget to $173 million in the box office. So, yeah, but but still, just think think about normal. No, no, no. Five, I mean, just like for successful, for successful horror movies. Like I said, Saw had like. A one million dollar budget and ended up making back a hundred million dollars. Now that is a crazy return on investment. Yeah, right? that's what I'm saying. Let me see here. I think Blair Witch is the is the most, um, as far as I know. It had a two hundred. Oh yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> it had a two hundred thousand dollar budget. Oh and it, my! God. It brought in. $250 million. Holy moly. Okay, well, we at least got to watch that, you know? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I feel it's, like it's going to suck. I feel like it's going to be a really bad movie. I know. I'm like, I'm not thrilled about it. Uh, wow. But. 200 to $2 million. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you, you got to think about it, though. It was um, one of the earliest sort of viral marketing campaign movies you know it it sort of made its rounds on um you know on this idea of it being you know a real movie uh you know a mockumentary or you know a documentary movie or whatever so um it's crazy it was crazy time back then now we just got a bunch of can you believe it influencer marketing (laughs) buy tickets through my affiliate link that's viral. Oh, so. and the, well, actually, maybe what is the is this the most? Hold on, now I got to think about it. Okay, okay, no, 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 yeah. Um, I think Blair Witch is the most, but the production budget of <laughs> of Paranormal Activity was fifteen thousand dollars. Oh and it grossed $200 million in the box office. So that's pretty crazy. Though I think the whole budget with marketing and whatnot was like over 200000 200, So I'm looking at a list of the highest return on investments. 
I'm not even going to say number one. I can't even believe that this is number one. So you can look it up if you want. I've never even heard of this. This seems fake. I'm reading something off mentalfloss.com. Number two is 2006 Facing the Giants. What? $100,000 budget. $38 million in profit. I think I've seen this movie. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen this movie. (laughs) Paranormal Activities on there. Another movie, Fireproof. I have seen... These are Christian movies. What the heck? (laughs) Fireproof 2008. I've definitely seen this movie. $500,000 budget. $57 million in... Cameron, what are we doing? We gotta make some Christian movies. It's the same uh, same director. (laughs) This guy is on a kick, man. <laughs> Church funded, baby. I know. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is on there. It's a, a it's horror movie. This list is horror movies and Christian movies. Christian movies. <laughs> basically the same thing. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Wow. Recent one is 2012. Called The Devil Inside. A million for 37 million. Oh, Charlie Brown Christmas. How about that? That's pretty good. 150000 for $5 million. Wow. Peter Pan's on there. Uh, can you believe that God's Not Dead had a no, million dollars? No, I budget? just got to that. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Dude, High School Musical. Wow. Not bad. A New Hope is on this list. Mm-hmm. Surprising. Yeah, definitely. Not surprising. Not surprising. They made that movie looks so good for its budget. Definitely. So so good. Wow. Man, I cannot believe the top of this list. <laughs> Christian movies facing the giants. Wow. Yeah, Jaws is towards the bottom. Jaws is twenty six. Uh some Disney stuff. Wow. Interesting, interesting. The Purge. We should watch The Purge, Cameron. I remember yeah, that yeah. that movie was very much heavily marketing. Heavy marketing. Definitely, yeah. Um, I don't really even understand why, but... Yeah. But it did, yeah. I mean, it was everywhere. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Well, I think that about wraps it up, Cameron. Yep, I think so. Uh, we will be being we will be spooked next week. Let's start. Let's start easy, Cameron. Let's start easy. Don't, she would do jobs. Don't throw me in the deep end. Don't make me quit. You know. Well, we'll throw <laughs> you in the deep end. Oh, I see what you're doing there. There's a little hint for you. All right. Until then, next Tuesday. Catch you. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.